So we know this passage very well, and uh, we know that uh, Peter had a good answer at first, and he said uh, he had the right answer, you are the, um, the Christ, but then he gets to be rebuked. And, uh, and then Jesus calls everybody. So he's not talking only to the disciples. When he talks of this verse, come and whoever wants to follow me, he's not talking only to the disciples, but to everybody that was there. So he's making a general call, and uh, not limited only to the disciples. And that call would be a call that he makes to everybody. It's a uh, and uh, taking the cross, denying and following him is not limited to only a select group of people, but it's the Christian way of life. It should be a, our daily life for everybody. It's not for fa- um, only for pastors and missionaries. And I've I've said that before. Uh, they're not special people. Um, they are special because they took some decisions and they're uh, trying to follow those decisions and follow God. But they're they're not equipped specially uh, than the rest of the, chil- uh, the children of God. We're all children of God, and we all have the same abilities, the same spirit, and the same requirements from God. We're all uh, to be followers of Jesus. Now, before I talk to what does it mean to be follower of Jesus, let's go to the back and see what's the benefit. Maybe in our generation we have to talk about the benefit first. So, I was thinking, okay, he's calling me, might be tough, but let me see what do I get out of it. If I follow, I follow Christ, and I follow Him daily, what's the benefit? Let's weigh the cost, the, the benefit, and see if it's worth it or not. And in verse 35, he talks about that, and he says, uh, what's the benefit of being a follower of Jesus? Now, we have to know that in that time, was tougher to be follower of Jesus. He wasn't very. Uh, he wasn't very uh, liked by um, by the leaders, uh, and uh, and most of the followers of that time, uh, most of the Christians ended up being martyred. So it wasn't easy. He wasn't making easy call, and to follow Jesus wasn't an easy answer. You could say. Yes, I, can, I will follow you. And many followed him while he fed them and while he cured them or uh, did miracles. But when he went to death, there was nobody there left, not even uh, the most faithful. They left. So it's not an easy call necessarily. We, today we don't pay with our lives. Uh, maybe, some of us may, may or may not. But it's not necessarily an easy call. So let's think of what's the benefit. What do we get from here? And there are some these phrases. Whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for the sake of the gospel will save it. He's talking about here of losing your life. Not necessarily for this time... For our times, I don't necessarily see as giving up your life, dying. But whoever loses resources or time or money out of his life or for comfort will save it, says he. He's investing. So life is 
let's see uh, the truth here. Life is passing anyway. We lose the time, right? Uh, we we spend the time. Sometimes we spend it when, in good and profitable things, and a lot of the times, or whatever is left, we spend it on, uh, on some unprofitable things, things that don't have much value. But we do invest, we use up our time. Whether we like it or not, the time is spent. And he's making a call to be wise and spend it and invest it. That's what he's saying here. To invest it. Now, he's calling all of us to have shares, to invest in shares. And not in Apple or Google that are valuable for now. But shares in the company or in heaven that are going to be the only ones valuable at one point. Uh, You might... Things you might think you what you have or what you're investing is valuable, and it might be. It might have some value, uh, your work or your 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 money or uh, whatever resources you invest. But there's going to be a time, and it's not very far off, that all this that we have invested with our work, with our uh, money, ha- will cease to have any value. Will cease. Will will not be there anymore. And the only thing that is left is going to be your shares in the kingdom of God, or my shares in the kingdom of God. And he's making here the call to invest in that shares in those in those times, because this time is not far off. I said it might be twenty, thirty, forty years for most of us, even though if we don't live up to the time when when Jesus is going to come back. It might be farther down the line or not, but our lives won't spend, won't be, won't uh, last for more than twenty, thirty, or forty years for the most. So it's going to be very soon when all the things that we've invested in are lose their value, and the only thing we're left with is what we invested in the kingdom of God. Who did that? Who invested in the kingdom of God? One guy named Jay Elliott has a very famous quote and he said in his journal, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. He's no fool who give what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. And if you read of his life, he spent his life and he uh, for the kingdom of God, for the gospel, and he uh, died as a martyr with, together with some others, with uh, three or four others, or three others. And uh, of course, a lot of people would say, would argue and say, what was it worth for? What's the worth? I mean, he left a family, he left a widow with small kids, and he. He impacted some lives and for some uh, people in the Amazon. Maybe it wasn't such a big tribe. Or, and a lot of people and the world around would say it was a waste. And that's true. It doesn't have such an impact on an earthly basis. But only God is going to tell us and He's going to show us that it wasn't a waste. And He invested in the right thing. And the time is going to come when He's going to be elevated... And he's going to receive his reward. And some of the most important figures of our time, as uh, presidents or others, political or other figures that have a lot of fame, 
and a lot of profit and a lot of um, recognition from the world will have nothing from God. So he's saying, invest in the in the right thing. Then he says like that, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what can you give in return for your soul? You can win the whole world, but in winning the whole world, you'll spend, you'll neglect. That will mean that you'll neglect your soul. Um, now, gaining the world in our times involves a lot of work, probably, and a lot of uh, money and economic, and maybe that's the kind of gaining the world for our days. But we all know that that may come with a price. Uh, and a lot of times, price, the, price, the price is neglecting or even damaging your soul, your innermost important component of your life. Um, I was uh, reading about uh, a guy that won the world. Uh, one, uh, I think he's CEO, uh, CEO of uh, Twitter. And uh, one of the richest and mo- probably most influential people in, of our times. Because he's, uh, well, he developed something that a lot of people use. Uh, maybe useful or not, but he, he does have the money. So what he's investing in and what is he doing now? He's one of uh, the promoters of uh, uh, body hacking, if you've heard of that. It's a new concept of body hacking. And that means they're figuring out or trying to figure out ways to, to make their life last longer. So using meditation, using uh, uh, diet and uh, other stuff, or maybe uh, using ex- experiments do, uh, done on their own bodies to try to basically evolve, live longer than, uh, than what they're meant to, or live better. Or, um, and they're trying to get the cure for all, for um, discover the ways that people could live longer, prolong their lives. Now, I think this is neglecting the soul, because they're taking God out of the, the picture. They want to be themselves. They have to have power over their lives and they neglect to see that God is the one that gave life and is the one that is going to ask it back and as well as he said to the um, to the rich man in the, in the gospel he said fool what have you done today I'm going to ask your soul back and it's not all about what you've done or what you want to gain or how much you have uh, it's about your soul and it's not doesn't belong to you. And God is going to ask it back. So you better, we better invest in the soul, which is eternal. And then he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be also ashamed. So we could... Uh, we could think of our prestige, of our fame, of our well-being, of our comfort, and not talk about Jesus, and uh, not uh, identify with Him, and maybe we'll be more popular than, uh, than others, or whatever, but He says, if you'll be ashamed, there will be a time when there is a final judgment. There is a time when the final judgment comes, 
and uh, would it be worth it for you to lose your 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 reward? Now we've studied this passage, uh, the Transfiguration. We studied in the Bible study, and we've seen that this is a glimpse of the future uh, future uh, kingdom of God. And I think God, uh, or Jesus, allowed to show his disciples. He says here, some of you might, will not die before they see the kingdom of God. And he allows that to, for them to have an imagination to know for sure and to prove to them that what he's talking about, the future reward, the future kingdom, is there and is coming. It takes faith. That's true. But God is saying the benefit is there. Jesus is saying the benefit is there. But I want you to open up your eyes and see the bigger picture. What we see on earth, what we live for on earth, drinking and eating and dressing up and having a house is not all to life. There's much more. And there's much more that we cannot see and that's going to come. And it's worth it. And it's true. It takes faith, but it's worth it and true. And time will demonstrate. Time will demonstrate. So, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not, I'm not saying you come and follow me because I'm going to give you riches on earth uh, or uh, health on earth or whatever benefit. No, I'm not making a call for this earth. You're not reap your reward on the earth. But it's, your reward is coming. And I want you to put it into a scale and balance out and see. Is your life on earth, your time, money, and prestige more important than your future reward? So we have to balance out, wait the, wait the benefit. All of us, let's wait the benefit and think, about, think of it. These are few years left and lived on earth better or more worth it than the eternity and the reward that is God has in store for us. That's what He wants to do. He wants us to... Uh, when, when Paul thought of, the, of those two, he said, all that I have, and there will be things for that, uh, for that age. Okay, All that I have, it's trash, it's garbage compared to what I gained. And he traded, he traded uh, probably a, a permanent political career for his time in the Jewish nation for becoming, uh, let's say, uh, a, a preacher on the streets and being thrown, uh, being stoned, and being shipwrecked, and being beaten, and all that, and being hungry, and being a prisoner. And he never said, "I've done wrong." I can imagine the classmates of Paul. No, he went to Gamaliel, one of the most prominent teachers of that time. And would you imagine his uh, his classmates meeting with uh, at ten years reunion? Paul, what did you do with your life? You were the chief. You were the uh, chief of class, right? What did you do with your life? I'm preaching the gospel now, and I've been beaten. I've been uh, imprisoned, and I've been, been I've through all that and I would, I would if I would be one of his classmates I would say Paul is it really worth it I mean you could have been uh, the head of us I mean 
the head of uh, Sinadrium and the head and maybe the leader of Jerusalem and of the Jewish nation and probably with a role in the Roman Empire. Was it worth it? He said it was worth it. And time will prove it. We will get to a point where we will see it was worth it for him. We will be convinced. And that's what God wants us to weigh. Weigh the benefit and take a decision by faith which is more important for us. After we weighed the benefit, let's look at the cost. What's the cost of following Christ? What would involve for me in a daily life? He says like that, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Um, doesn't require much explanation, but deny yourself. It doesn't mean give up your food necessarily and uh, live in a, in a monastery somewhere. No, it doesn't mean that. It means put yourself second and put others, for the sake of God, put others first. Um, put yourself second. And it's not an easy experience. Sometimes we say, God, I will follow you, but let's do it my way. God, I will follow you, but I need that. I need it to turn out this way. I need, it, I need that much money, or I need that outcome, or I'm, I need that health, and I need that house. And after I have all that, God, I will come to you. And that's what uh, some of the, of the followers or the people in, uh, in his time said. Jesus, I will come after you, but let me go back and bury my, my father. Now, it wasn't like his father was dead. I don't think his father was dead and he had one day of funeral and go. No. He was living probably with his father and God, let me do my, my, my things. I have my plans out. I have my father to take care for years, some years, take my inheritance. And when I'm all settled, I'll come after you. And God doesn't want it like that. He said, follow me. Uh, don't wait until you're all settled. Deny yourself. Sometimes it means give up your expectation, your wants, your rights, your comforts. Like maybe giving up your holiday for something, for a mission trip. Uh, not everybody is willing to do that. Maybe giving up your, some of the money that you, you want to do, buy something for you to help others, to invest in the missions. Or give up your time. Put yourself aside. And for sake of God, put others in first place. Deny yourself. It can be very practical. We just have to look in our lives for practical means to, uh, to fulfill this. It can be very practical and sometimes very painful. Because we like to be first and to serve ourselves first. Then he says, take up your cross. Now that doesn't mean to bear your wife or your husband or uh, okay, I'll be grumpy, I have to bear with you and uh, you are a pain for me, for my life. It doesn't mean that. The cross was a mission for, for Christ. But it's not necessarily a mission for us. We are not called to go to the cross. That was His mission. Now it involves suffering. And it's true, a lot of the first Christians, the sufferings of the cross was a, was a reality for them. 
and some of them died on cross on the cross some of them died as a martyr and the sufferings of the cross of Jesus in some form was a reality for them it might not be for us in this day uh, but it might involve a mission that we don't like that is not necessarily comfortable that is not necessarily always pleasant but it's not necessarily the same mission that Christ had it's a different one but when I think of take up your cross I think of another aspect too uh, which is, uh, which is uh, underlined or uh, explained in 1 Peter 4 1 to 3 and I'll read these verses and for me it's practical to think of take up your cross in relation to your your past the cross I think has to be a turning point this is what I was before the cross I was this person with this type of life and it might be sinful life and this is done and from the cross when the cross came into my life when Jesus came into my life I'm a new person I'm a new being and whatever is of the past should not be present anymore the cross is the turning point and once and for all I should leave uh, the, uh, the past behind and live for, for Jesus and he says here in 1 Peter verse, uh, uh, chapter 4 verse 1 since therefore Christ suffered in flesh arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased, ceased uh, from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passion but for the will of God for the time that is past uh, suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality passions, drunkenness, orgies drinking parties and lawless idolatry he's making it clear Peter that the, the cross is a turning point and suffices you should you've lived long enough in, in those sinful passions that you had before the cross in Jesus came into your life and now it's a new time it's a, it's a time to be a new being and to live differently and do the will of God so take up your cross daily I think it's a good reminder for me to think of the mission that sometimes is not pleasant but also to think of the past I have to leave it behind I have to leave it behind and not leave in the same manner I used to leave. I have a new manner of leaving. And my, now I'm a new being and I'm destined to do the will of God. And that's for every day and for every minute. And we sometimes struggle with the passions that we had in, in, uh, in the past. And it's natural. But we have to struggle and, and overcome them. Not struggle and, under, uh, and be, uh, be conquered by them. We have to leave them behind, and it's, the Holy Spirit is very powerful in enabling to do uh, us to do that. And the third thing says here: follow me, imitate me. And this is the way Jesus made his disciples. He didn't just say, "I'll give you a book, a manual. To, you read that, and you are a follower." He said, "Come and see." He's been asked, where do you leave, Master, uh, Rabbi? The two, the two disciples asked him, and he said, come and see. 
and they went and they stayed with him and they saw him eating they saw him uh, drinking they saw him uh, praying he said come and see see how I pray see how I react to people see how I have compassion see how I um, talk to the people see how I see everything in my life and when you've done seeing imitate it this is the way people uh, and we have to learn as well imitating uh, not just reading and uh, we have to imitate and we have to uh, put that in our life it's not just a set of rules Christianity is not a set of rules it's a different way of life and involves uh, eating drinking differently it involves speaking differently it involves praying differently it involves reacting differently it involves having different attitudes and different thoughts. It involves a change, a radical change. And I think the only way to, uh, to do that is to imitate, to see uh, Jesus and to try to imitate. We, uh, to see other Christians and uh, maybe uh, elders and imitate their faith. That's what it says in Hebrew 13, verse 7. Consider your, your elders that taught you the word and imitate their faith. We don't have to do the same thing. It doesn't mean that we have to imitate the pastor and we all become pastors and do the same thing. No, we don't have necessarily the same roles, but we imitate the good attitudes and their faith. In Acts 4.13, it talks about the, uh, the disciples being, uh, being arrested and being in front of the elders. And we remember they were pretty shy and pretty scared uh, when Jesus was crucified and right after his resurrection but here John and Peter are in front of the elders that had power of life and death over them and they are bold and they speak up it says there that they recognized they saw they were not uh, educated and they are so bold in talking and they could recognize that they stayed with Jesus Probably they recognize their way of talk. Maybe they were... I'm not sure what they recognize exactly. But you could see they saw the same manners that Jesus had in Peter and John. They were imitators. Um, Paul has that calling Corinthians for the church also. He says, you've seen the way I do things in church, so please imitate me, because I imitate Christ. So we should do the same, we should follow um, I like to think of Christians of having different roles that's true we're not all supposed to be in the pulpit and be missionaries but I think we are all supposed to be missionaries in disguise what do I mean by that? we're missionaries but not necessarily wearing a robe and uh, being uh, staying in a sanctuary we're missionaries but we are all probably wear a suit in a tie in an office, and we probably wear a helmet and boots on a site, construction site, or maybe a nurse or doctor uniform, or being a mom. But we are there not just for that. We're not there just for our current job. That's not the most important thing. We have a bigger role, and God has a bigger role for us. That's to be a missionary for Him, a follower of Jesus. And either 
it doesn't matter if you're in the site or if you are on the mission field or if you are in your home or wherever you are you have a bigger role and I have a bigger role there than just to earn money my job is not done with the eight hours of work paycheck go home and relax no this is not everything it's part of life it's, uh, it's an important part of life but I'm there this is just a means to show Christ to be a Christian to be a light so we have to understand I think we have to recall that this is our main role in life this is a call for everybody what is going to be your and my answer about it I want to read this uh, this verse in uh, actually one of the first verses that we've read it says here in verse 33 but turning and seeing his disciples he rebuked Peter and said get behind me Satan for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man I think this is the problem that Peter had here too and we may we have to many times we are not setting our mind on the things of God but on things of man and we're, when we are setting on uh, the mind on the things of man we cannot see the bigger picture we only see what is around us we only see the things of man and we take bad decisions then because we take decisions only on the things we see and the things we're fed up we have to remember, and I have to remember, I'm fed up through news, through work, through colleagues, through whatever. I'm fed up with the philosophy of this world. And the philosophy of this world is only what you see matters. There's nothing else there. So you have to live for, for what you see for the moment and seize the moment. And you have to live to drink and eat and that's all. In Matthew 24, verse 38, Jesus describes the, the generation of the time of Noah. And He says, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving to be married, and they didn't realize that the door was closed and they were all doomed. David, David, please. Um, if... Jesus were to describe the generations of today, what words would he use? Would he describe it pretty similar? I think he would say probably they were eating and drinking, not marrying too much anymore, but buying, selling, uh, working to pay off what they bought, and they didn't realize that this wasn't all the whole thing. And they didn't realize that the end of the world and the judgment of Christ is coming and they didn't realize because they were busy buying, paying, eating, drinking, and nothing else. These are aspects of life, but there's not all of life. Actually, there, Jesus says it's probably a small part of life. And He says, you're worried that you have to eat and drink and be dressed. Don't you think that God knows? He knows. And they're not most important things for you to worry about. You should worry about doing uh, God's work in God's kingdom. And, and I will end up with uh, reading a, a passage of Romans 8. 
And he's talking about, again, about setting the mind on the things of God and not on the things of flesh. And he says in Romans 8, 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind of the, on the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it, is, uh, it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I think this is a passage written to Christians that set their mind on the flesh and they become, even though they're Christian, born again, they become hostile to God because they live in a manner that cannot please God. And He's talking about us. And He says, make a decision. Set your mind on the Spirit, on God's things. That doesn't mean that you won't pay attention to your work, no. But work and your the daily thing is not going to be all it matters to you. And set up your mind for the things of God. And I think uh, that calls to some action. And it might not be necessarily radical to give up life and to and to go to some foreign country, but I think it might be radical to give up some of your time of uh, extra hours for prayer, for for taking care of others, for reading the Bible, for reading the Scriptures, for studying the Bible, uh, for being a testimony in, in the house or outside the house. I think it calls for, for a decision. And it calls for me for a decision to think that I have to set up my mind not just on the things, ordinary things that are part of life, but on, on to things of God that are more important. Amen.